Okay, yes, yeah, season five, episode five for when we do the part two. Exactly. It's a continuation. It's a continuation. Of taxi stuff. Okay, so whenever you're ready, I'm going to drink and get ready. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so where did we leave off? So every once in a while, um, we would take some really shady people from a random area to a not-so-great area so they could buy drugs. One time in particular that it happened to me was I picked up a guy at this diner. And now, this was on a Sunday night, and the Sunday night dispatcher, when I was driving the cab, was the part-time guy, and he was drunk the whole night pretty much. Summer? Winter? Spring? Uh, fall, I guess. Okay. Because I started in August and I was still kind of new at it. But, so this guy, we were, our cab stand was, had a bar on either side of it. Mm -hmm. One bar had milk, one bar had didn't. So he would go to the one bar for white Russians until they closed. Okay. And then he would go to the other bar for screwdrivers after that. <laughs> and so he hardly remembered anything that ever happened. Oddly enough, he was my best friend's stepfather. So I like knew him before I drove a cab for him. But I actually learned to really like the guy. He was really nice. He is now no longer with us. Rest in peace, Steve Cox. R.I.P. Um, so he gives me a call at the Nautilus Diner in East Massapequa. And so uh, he says, it's going to yeah. Lindenhurst. I was like, cool, that's like a $20 fare. Um, so I go pick this guy up. He goes, uh, change of plans. We're not going to Lindenhurst. We're going to Wyandanch. Now, for those unanointed with Long Island, Wyandanch is probably the best place on Long Island to buy crack. It is the, um, Wyandanch and Brentwood probably have the highest crime rates on Long Island. Okay. Um, so I'm like, uh, all right. He goes, listen, don't call it into your dispatcher. I need to ride back. Oh, I was like, oh, this is what happened. I um, called in my dispatcher. I was like, I got to call it into my dispatcher when he said, change the plans, we're going to wine dance. So I was like, all right. Hey, we're going to wine dance. He's like, that's $35 for the fare. The guy was like, he you know, nodded. And then he go, I hung up the radio and he goes, listen, I need to ride back too, but don't call it into your dispatcher and I'll take care of you off the cuff. It's like, all right, whatever. We'll see what happens. I got to drive back anyway, with or without you. You know what I mean? Right. So we get out to this street wine dance, and I was getting a little nervous. Um, so he goes, all right, drop me off here. Go down the street, turn around, and come back and get me. By the time you come back, I'll be finished. So... I go down the street, I turn off the headlights while I'm pulling the driver. I'm trying to be the most inconspicuous in my bright yellow car. And so, sure enough, by the time I pull back up to the house, he's yeah. coming out. They must serve him right out the window or something right, right there. You right. know what I mean? Like, here you go. Here's his your, money. Here's your stones. Here you go. Right. So, we get in the car, and I start taking off back towards Massapequa. Right. And I drop him back off the Nautilus Diner again. But, like, halfway there, I smell this smell of, like, burning plastic in the car, I look back, and that motherfucker is smoking. I was like, excuse me, sir, you can't smoke in here. Right. You, please do not smoke that in here. He's like, I guess he got one hit, so he was okay for now, at least until we could get back to the diner. Right. So, I get him back to the diner. It was like a 15-minute ride, because I was fucking flying at this point. Right. Um, 
and he winds up giving me $60 for it. I Once I found out he was buying crack, I wasn't even sure I was getting paid for the fare. Right. I have dealt with crackheads before. When I lived down in Florida, I dealt with crackheads. You um, were never getting paid. At least I thought, and then definitely not taking care of me for the round right, trip, you know right. what I mean? Uh, for those of you who couldn't see that, I was holding up air quotes <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, so he winds up giving me $60. Is that including the 35 the, Yeah, $60 total. Okay. So it's a $25 tip. Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. I actually got paid and a tip on this. I go back to the train station. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning now, so... We're just, like, hanging out, waiting for the early morning commuters to start calling to come down to the train station. So I'm hanging out in the office at, like, 5.30, waiting to, you know, check out or whatever so I can finish for the night. And that dude calls back. Now, side note, it is illegal as a cab driver. Not illegal, but really, really frowned upon to not call in a round trip. Right. They call it clipping. It's basically stealing from the company because I stole a fare from the company. I did. Right. And if that dude calls back, I'm busted because he's going to be like, how did you get back here from Wine Dance already? Right. But I had two things going for me. Number one, he was a crackhead. And number two, the dispatcher was drunk. Shut so up. he didn't even remember the guy calling the first Shit. time. Oh my God. I got so lucky with that. <sighs> when, when he called back, what did he say? I didn't answer the phone, so I don't know, but he was like, he was looking for, I just heard, like, he wanted to go from Massapequa to Lindenhurst to Wyandanche, I forgot what he said, but I was like, oh my god, it's that guy. Right. Oh my god, please, I hope I didn't get busted, please, I hope I didn't get busted. And I got so lucky that he was yeah. drunk all night. If it was the other dispatch. <laughs> so, but if Danny had been on, he would have been on it. Although, to be honest with you, if Danny had been the dispatcher, I would have said, no, I can't. Right. Because I would have called in the round trip. Right. Because he's a little bit more on it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I got away and I got a twenty-five dollar tip. Nice. Um, and it was kind of always weird. People use taxis to go buy drugs because everything is in cash, so there's no paper trail. You know what I mean? Um, I remember when I was dispatching. I. Uh, dispatched several of those calls and you're like I hate to say no to it but banging these people for a round trip right makes the company some money you know what I mean right and since I did start out as a driver I know what the telltale signs are for a drug run you right. know what I mean right the worst neighborhood in Long Island is Terrace Avenue in Hempstead New York um it's there's a whole housing project in that area Right. And so I dispatched for the taxi company in the towns of Levittown and East Meadow. We cover both towns. Hempstead is pretty much five minutes from East Meadow. Mm -hmm. And so they would call me from this particular uh, bodega out there, which made some amazing sandwiches. I'm sure. So I'm sure. Um, but they used to sell what they called roses there, which are crack pipes. Right. And so I'm going to call, hey, I'm at address of whatever the place was where's that oh next to the friendlies okay um where are you going terrace avenue and so because he said terrace avenue or even if they say hempstead mm -hmm. i'm always like do you need a ride back 
and they, for some reason, they were always honest with me. Right. Um, and so I would get the money for the round trip, and I would feel kind of bad sending my drivers to a bad neighborhood. But at the same time, I'm here to make these guys money. Right. I felt like that was my job as a dispatcher, was to make my drivers money. Which is probably why most of your drivers liked you as a dispatcher. Because they knew you were looking out for them in that case, too. I wa- I'm looking out for you. the company, but also right. I'm looking out for the driver. Right. I was very pro-driver. Right. I've never been like the toe-the-company-line kind of guy, never. you know what I mean? Yeah. I do what I want and how I see fit to do my job well. Which is why I never made it in human resources after that long career. So I just do what I want and right. back it up with a really good work ethic. Exactly. Exactly. Um... I get the job done in the way that I want. It may not be the conventional way that everybody else does it, um, but, but it, it will get done. If it yields the if it yields the same result, if it's executed to get it done, most people are okay with that. Now that we've talked more uh, a little bit about me dispatching, uh, I'm going to talk more about that. Okay. So. Um, I started. I, I decided to become a dispatcher when they offered it to me because it was uh, a salaried income. Right. You know what I mean? As a cab driver, you go home with cash every night. That's it. That's all your pay. If it's a slow night, some nights I went home with sixty dollars. Right. You know what I mean? For twelve hours sitting in a cab. But there were nights I went home with three hundred and twenty dollars. You right. know what I mean? Right. I mean, most of those were holidays, like Thanksgiving Eve and stuff like that. However. You could make more as a dispatcher than a driver because, number one, not really more, but just, like, you can budget. You know yeah, what I mean? You, you can, can budget. So I was like, and I had just settled down with a woman, and I was like, you know what? I just, I want something stable. You know what I right. mean? I was tired of freaking out every month about how we were going to make the rent. Right. So I came dispatcher. Um, good news is... When the drivers had a good day, they would tip me. Right. So I went home with a little bit of cash in my pocket. Even if it was like $5 from four guys, 20 bucks a day in your pocket is nice. True. You know what I mean? Because Absolutely. that paid for your coffee and snack that day, you know what I mean? Yeah. And possibly your and, lunch. And then you're not pulling out from any home budget or like exactly. basic budget to do those it's extra not, little things. It's not the counted income. Right. So I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. Um, so my schedule was at first I was on the day shift from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. I was the manager of the office. It was great. I was, I did that for about two months because they had sent the guy who had that slot to a different office in a different town. Okay. Um, and it was crazy too, because the guy who was the full-time night dispatcher was the aforementioned Danny. And he was kind of a bully, and I felt like he was going to try to run the show from the night shift. But right. the day dispatcher is supposed to be the, the office manager. Right. I kind of sort of realized after a while he didn't really want the responsibility for that. He just wanted to control shit without the responsibility. Right. Soap opera for a different time. Um, so I, was, I did that for about two months until an old warrant caught up with me. And I got arrested and had to go to jail. Uh for about two weeks. Wow. I got out, and they did hire me back, which was nice, but yeah. I was not the day dispatcher anymore. I, was a, I, was, I went back to driving the cab again. <clears throat> An opportunity opened up to go dispatch in a different town, mm-hmm. and I took it. Um, and that was in the town of Levittown, New York. Yes, the yes. Levittown. Um, yes. And 
so the office was in like the middle of a residential neighborhood. There was a little park and a pool there and stuff like that. And I worked the most crazy schedule that I think anybody could ever work okay. at a job. Not crazy because I beg your pardon, doctors, nurses, and anybody in the healthcare industry, you guys have the craziest schedules. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked Saturday and Sunday, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Okay. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., Thursday, Friday off. One of those days is a 24-hour day. No, t- no, no, no. I worked until 6 p.m. Yeah. on Sunday, and then I have to come back to work until 6 so, so, p.m. Yeah, Monday. That, okay, yeah. So I had 24 hours off. Right. And then I worked three night shifts, which is, it wasn't so bad Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because they're the, like three of the quietest nights of the week. Every once in a while, a bar might have something on Wednesday, like a ladies' night, so you might get a little bit busy, you know what I mean? Right. Because Levittown had all the bars. There was right. no train station in Levittown, right. so guys had to post up in front of bars or in like shopping center parking lots, kind of central to where things might be, you know what I mean? This is where I really grew into my dispatching, because it's, it's one thing to send a guy from the train station to go pick up a call, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Right. It's another thing to have to, like the guy's got a home base to, uh, to come back to, so you got to line up calls and sort of keep them going for a while. Like an air traffic controller. Kind of, Yeah. Um, and so I would have to do that with, on Saturday and Sunday, I would have to do that with multiple drivers. We were right. busy. We lived right near a big mall, uh, the Roosevelt Field Mall. And so we would get a lot of people to take the cab to go there because from East Meadow it was only a $16 ride. I think, no, it was 14 from East Meadow, it was 16 from Levittown. Okay. So for 20 bucks, they could get to work every day, you know what I mean? Which right. isn't terrible and probably get a ride home from one of their coworkers. Right. Um, it's... That's really where I learned to actually dispatch. Right. Like, logistically, how to look at it. Lining up calls, right. taking it, and because I had a map of Levittown and East Meadow in front of me, and I realized I don't need to know exactly turn by turn where the street is. I just need to know an area. Because if there's a driver in that area, I'm going to send him to it. Right. You know what I mean? Or if he's going to end up in that area, I'm going to send him to it. I just need to know an area. Right. And Levittown was really good for that because their street names were grouped. Like, you had tree streets... You had Bird Streets, two sections of Bird Streets, nice uh, Flower Streets, um, and like some crazy different birds like Tanager, Flamingo, right? Um, and you had a Trades, Blacksmith, uh, Barrister. What's a Barrister? It's a London lawyer or yeah, judge. you know it. So, um. Once you picked all that up, like, they gave me one month to drive a cab there to learn the area. Yeah. And here you go. You're behind the desk. Okay. I took it as a challenge. Absolutely. And I succeeded. I did really well there. Yeah. And I had a lot of fun. I made a lot of good friends. Um, my older daughter, Brianna, was living with me then when I dispatched there, and... She used to come with me to work on Sundays because my ex was driving a cab on Friday and Saturday night. Right. She would show up a little bit late on Saturday because I, we couldn't get her there until I got off of work. But she would get there on time on Friday. and make that was the, Those were the two busy nights on the cab. Then she could make $400 in two nights. You right. know what I mean? Right. Especially because she was a pretty girl, so she got extra tips. But she was also tough, so she didn't take any shit. Right. And she had a taser in her purse. Right. Um, and so on Sunday while she was sleeping, it's okay. She can manage like just being half asleep with the baby. Mm-hmm. 
But I took Brianna with me, and she got to play in the park across the street when it was hot. She wound up getting a pass or like a, a thing from somebody that she could get into the pool for free. Nice. Yeah, I know. Uh, so it was kind of a cool time, you know what I mean? When I first really grew into dispatching. And then I went back to Massapequa Park to dispatch. I don't think I went back to the park. No, we were already in Massapequa. While I was in Levittown, um, a rival taxi company bought out the Massapequa Park office and all the Massapequa Park people moved over to Massapequa, like the drivers and right. some of the dispatchers. Some of the people stayed put, jumped ship to work for the rival company. It was a whole thing. Okay. It was a whole thing. They um, initially had taken over in a town called Farmingdale. Right. And like the very next day when they took over, half of our drivers jumped ship. And so our operations manager plucked drivers from each town wow. to go like drive up in Farmingdale to sort of keep up with the flow of everything. Right. And so um, I went up to drive in Farmingdale for a little bit. I always loved driving somewhere new. I stated that earlier in the episode. Yeah, yeah. Or earlier, but I loved going somewhere new. It was a challenge. And this was insane. All right, so Farmingdale was a commuter town. People commuted to Farmingdale right. to go to some of the industrial areas in northern Farmingdale and Melville and stuff like that. There was a lot of jobs there. And so there was two big trains, the 8.30 a.m. train and the 9.05 a.m. train. Yeah. That's when everybody came. And it was a war trying to, like, sort people out and figure out who was t which company was taking which fare. Right. Oh, my God. It was so crazy. So the owner of the rival company would show up there sometimes, and he had money. I don't know how he had money. He might have been connected. I don't know. I heard a story about this guy, and... Apparently, he started out with two tow trucks. Okay. Built that into something and then bought a cab company. Huh. And turned that into a really successful cab company. He had really deep pockets. Wow. And so, he would be like, all right, everybody who gets in a checker cab today rides for free. How can we compete with that? Exactly. So, it was insane there for a while. There was this one time where I was trying to direct this passenger to one of our taxis there was a couple of cars ahead of me. The owner of the company intercepted her, and I pitched a fit about it. You know, I started getting a little loud about it, and, you know, me and the owner got into words a little bit. Yeah. And so when I drove away, I drove away flipping him the bird. When I got back to the rail, my operations manager was like, Dave, do you know who that was? I said, yeah, I know exactly who that was. Right. And I told him what happened and everything. Yeah. He goes, all right, just pretend like I'm, you know. You didn't, right, he didn't know. Pretend like I'm yelling at you right, right. now. Right. You know what I mean? And so I was like, okay, fine. Um, so I finished my thing in Farmingdale. Dispatching in Levittown and East Meadow was a good experience. Okay. Where did you end up in? I ended up in Massapequa. Okay. In this tiny little booth that had no bathroom and had a giant window in the front. And people had to walk way down from where they got off the train to get to our taxis. Wow. Um... But it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so I had some drivers that drove for me that are pretty, pretty remarkable. I had this one driver named Vinny. Kimmer's last name. He had a really, really Italian last name. Um, 
He was about 10 years older than I was at the time. I was in my early 30s. He was in his 40s somewhere, maybe close to 50. He still lived at home with his parents. Mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of slow, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he could drive a car, so that was cool. Uh, I remember one time I called his house to find to ask, because I was shorthanded, to ask if he'd come into work. And his parents sounded like George Costanza's parents yelling at each other. Yes. It was insane. So, the most memorable incident from Vinny was when I sent him to pick up, uh, I sent him to a pickup at a bar where across the street was a police precinct. Mm -hmm. And so he picked up the people and they were coming back the other way. So he decides to swing a U-turn across two lanes of traffic and a double yellow line in front of the police precinct. That's okay because there's usually never like police at the precinct to pull you right, over. Right, right. But there just happened to be a car coming right then as he's doing the thing, and they crash, and it's a cop car. How do Holy you hit a shit. He hit the cop car. Shit. Vinny, come on, man. So, what? needless to say, he was fired. Right. <clears throat> I had this other driver named Muhammad. He was a little tiny Indian guy. He drove a Mazda Miata that kind of whistled, like, as he was going. And so my nickname for him was Kazoo, from the Flints. It's like he was driving a little spaceship. Right, yes. So his, my nickname for him was Kazoo. <laughs> Muhammad drove me nuts. He would, like, okay, so when you get Long Island drunk kids in your car on a Saturday night, you have to be a bit forceful with you them. You have to be. Because they will push you around yep. and dr have you driving around in circles for hours. Right. So, he did that to me a lot. However, the time that got me the most mm -hmm. was the time that um, they were repaving the parking lot on our side of the train station. So, all the cabs had to park on the other side of the rail. Right. Uh, there was another parking lot on the north side of the train station. Yeah. And so he was dropping somebody off over... Oh, no, I think he was just dropping somebody off over there. But they weren't paving it at the time, but they did do that one time. Um, and he happened to go over a manhole, and somehow the car got stuck on the manhole cover. I don't even what? know. Like, it was one of those things that you're like, how in the name of physics did this happen? Right. I don't know, sir, I don't know. <laughs> uh, literally, that was quotes, Okay. Um, I don't even remember how that situation got resolved because right. it just, like, I feel like I just wanted to blank it out, you know what I mean? We had to, I obviously had to get over there and try and help him get free of it. Right. So, Muhammad didn't last too long. I had this other guy who was a cab driver for me. He was the weirdest dude I ever had drive a cab for me. Like, I would get people call me and say, could you not send DJ? Really? Yeah. Please don't send DJ. Um, so his name what? was DJ Jafar. He was a Lebanese man. Okay. He was probably in his early 30s, late 30s, mid, early 40s. Um, he actually grew up in Beirut in okay. the 80s when it was crazy. Like crazy Beirut. Um... So he was really soft spoken like this. He'd be like, I'm Dave, I'm uh, I'm ready to go. That's exactly how he sounded. Kind of a cartoon character. Oh my god. So 
he was the weirdest tipper ever. One time he tipped me $50 and he didn't even like take in that many fares that night. I don't even know how it happened. Um, but an, a tip on a good night, if somebody makes, usually the tip, the average tip for a driver to dispatcher was 10%. Right. So if they made over $200, you'd get a $20 tip. Right. You know what I mean? He didn't make $500 that night and he gave me a $50 tip. Huh. I don't know why. And he actually followed me over to Levittown. Not followed me, but like he got fired from Massapequa where he quit or whatever. Right. And then when I was working in Levittown, he came there again and then was fired because oh, he shit. is so weird. Like a creepy weird, like a stalker. Yes, weird, like creepy falling. weird, like, hi, how are you? Like really super close. Yeah, like super close. Like and a close just talker? Like, like he had glasses and everything. And not a, not a close talker, but just the way he talked to you, like nobody normal talks like that. Right. So a lot of the Long Except Island, maybe a Long Island white girls, the Massapequa girls were a little creeped out by that. Right, right. Not so much the Levittown people. Um, let me see here. So, of all of the days of my dispatching, my favorite thing about being a dispatcher is that I personally knew one of the members of the Sugar Hill Gang. That's right. He lived in Farmingdale, New York. And he has probably one of the most famous lines ever in a rap song. I am Wonder Mike and I came to say hello. Oh my god, I knew Wonder Mike. He is a very, very tall man. Like 6'6", six, six, but like also broad. Right, like the whole back of the back part. Legally blind. So that's why he had to take a taxi all the time. Right. And that's how we got to know him. I couldn't believe that he lived in Farmingdale. Like, man, did he get like cheated out of money or something like that? Because it's the fucking Sugar Hill Gang. And when I told people that I like knew Wonder Mike, I didn't feel like they un fully understood the scope of that. You know what I mean? Like, where is hip hop without the Sugar Hill Gang? Right. It would probably still be there because that freaked up Ambata and the Zulu Nation were pushing it. Yeah, but in the Bronx in the late seventies, but he was right there. And now comes the part of the story where Uber came in. Uber. So I don't remember what year they became legal on Long Island. I, I imagine it was it was June, I know that. It was like either twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, something like that. Yeah. So before Uber was legal, we were kind of fighting and putting up a chance. I could still take care of the regulars. Um, and I had no problem chasing all the Ubers away. You know what I mean? Right. There was actually this one time we had moved away from that little boothy shack to an actually storefront office that we shared with a hair salon. Nice. <laughs> there yes. was a door that separated us two. Uh, and once I got to know the ladies at the salon, they actually left the door open at night. So I could use their bathroom. Okay, nice. Which was very nice. Yes. Um, so there was this one time there was an Uber parked in front of my office. And they still weren't legal yet. And I was super pissed about it. So I went out there and started taking pictures of them with shit. my phone, right? Right. Uh, wouldn't you know that little shit called the police on me? Shit. So the police show up and I'm like, ah, I've been smoking in here! <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> No! Fuck! So, they come in, they're like, hey, 
I'm taking pictures of this guy out here. I'm like, yeah, it's an illegal Uber. Right. They're not legal out here. They're not supposed to be picking up out here. Right. So what is he doing in front of my office? Right. And they're like, yeah, I know, I know, but you can't be taking pictures of people. And yeah, so yeah. They, made me, they made me delete them. In front of them, you had to delete them? Yeah, which is whatever. They also, in fairness, did bust his balls. Yeah. They were like, sir, uh, you're a little bit far away from New York City, aren't you? Right. And so they, right. Cha they chased him away. They were like, next time that happens, call us. I was like, okay, cool. It was probably the most pleasant experience I ever had with the police. Right. <clears throat> Which doesn't say a lot. But it says something. I suppose. And so Uber finally became legal, and slowly but surely, the business started to die. Right. Because the drivers, when Uber first started, they were advertising, like, this awesome pay bonuses and blah, blah, blah. And so a couple of our drivers would quit to go try Uber. Right. And we would have less cars on the road every day to service the customers we had. Yeah. And so because of the poor performance, some of those customers would start became ordering Ubers. Ubers. And so now there's less business, so more drivers quit, and it became this vicious cycle. Right. Um, Massapequa was pretty washed up, and the Farmingdale dispatcher quit. So I went back to Farmingdale where I met Wonder Mike. And I dispatched in Farmingdale. Checker Cab was no longer there. It was just... Actually, no. Checker Cab had bought all of our offices. Right. And we um, we're just all under the umbrella of Checker Cab. My office was in a trailer, like a construction office trailer, mm -hmm. at the foot of an apartment building at the Farmingdale train station. Yeah, I remember. You know it. I do remember. You know that trailer. Um, and so this was like the beginning of the end. And I had heard stories about, like, drivers and dispatchers that, like, cut deals with each other. Yeah. And you could get kickbacks from the drivers and stuff like that. And right. so, because the business was dying, I started cutting deals with some of my drivers. One of my drivers, like, I would leave off. What I would do is I would only hang a ticket for half of the calls they did. On a separate piece of paper, I was keeping track of that so I know how much I didn't write down. Right. And I found that they usually gave me about 40% of that, of what I didn't nice. write down. So I could go home with $100, $120 yeah. a night if it was a decent night, you know what I mean? Um, I wound up doing that with two drivers. And so that's how I lived for a couple of years while that business was dying. Because even at the very, very, very end, they were having trouble paying me. Yeah. I would have... Um, I would have to take the money out of the, the daily envelopes for my pay for that week. I remember At that. one point, they were like, please stop doing this. Right. <laughs> and so, believe it or not, when I quit there uh, to go work at the trucking company, yeah. I was wondering if they were going to pay me the three weeks they owed me. Right. Of course. Because they were like, well, fuck you, you're quitting. But I did the right thing. I put in my two weeks. Right, right. And they paid me the three weeks they owed Good. me. Yeah. And that was the end of my dispatching for taxis. And there may be some stories of taxis I forgot. I'm sure they'll but I think I've entertained you slash bored you long enough. But I also think they'll be interwoven in some other rando drift off. Probably. In another story at a later yeah, episode, right, possibly. Exactly. Exactly. Anything else? No. You good? Yeah. Sweet. I think we, uh, I think we, I think we did it. it. I think we did it. That's all, folks, you motherfuckers. Right. So good, that was so good, Sally. It was so good.